You're listening to the Health Secrets Podcast, hosted by Jonathan Otto. Thanks for listening to the Health Secrets Podcast. This is Jonathan Otto, and I have a message for you. I've spent the last decade learning about the effects of disease through focusing on well-being in every facet of life. Today, I bring you the latest discoveries, practices, resources, and health secrets based on my travels throughout the world. I've conducted interviews with experts filming compelling stories of those who face health and wellness challenges and who want realistic solutions for healing, regenerating, and growing a healthy mind, body, and life. I want to share this valuable information, which may not be readily available to you without exhaustive research. Essentially, I've done that research for you. These episodes are created with you in mind, with the specific mission of bringing to you as much information as possible, whether mainstream or just surfacing through recent research, because I believe in the well-being of everyone. If you want to learn more, subscribe to this Health Secret podcast. Visit one of the many health and wellness platforms I've created as a resource for you, not only to improve the quality of your life, but for you to share with those you love or you know are suffering. You know, one of the fascinating things we find in the scriptures is that spiritual health is important, but right along that, you see physical health being important. I mean, we look at the life of Jesus that we see him actually healing more than he's teaching. Now, that's quite fascinating. And then we see in 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So you get the idea that Physical health is important along with spirituality, meaning God is interested both in our spiritual life but also in our physical life. Many times people look back to Hippocrates as the father of medicine because he made statements like, all disease begins in the gut. And now today, science is revealing that much of the disease that people have, even mental disease, meaning sometimes depression, anxiety, even lust issues can actually begin in the gut of all places. So we think, well, Hippocrates said this nearly 500 years before Christ. But what's fascinating is that you go back another thousand years before that in the Bible. You look at the time of Job. And Job himself talks about this connection between his mind and his gut. Then you come down to what the National Institutes on Health says is the oldest clinical trial in all of recorded history. So the National Institutes of Health, which is the most well-funded medical institution on the planet, looking back through history at scientific studies and discoveries, says that the book of Daniel, chapter 1, is possibly the oldest clinical trial in all of recorded history. Now, that's very fascinating to me because specifically, this study that was conducted by Daniel and his three friends was a study on the connection between what goes on in the gut and the brain, meaning it was a study, the first scientific study that's ever been conducted that we know of presently, was specifically on the gut-brain connection. And What's fascinating, this study has been replicated today and found similar results. Now, the Bible talks about Daniel and his three friends. Um, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We know them today mainly as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these four young men were taken from Jerusalem where they were raised. They were taken captives by King Nebuchadnezzar. They were taken back to the city of Babylon, and they were given a three-year educational system. While there, 
They were to be raised up, learn the language of the Chaldeans, of the Babylonians at that time. And they, the king was being so kind and being so lavish upon his students that he said, listen, you can eat all of my food. Meaning, what I mean is, you can have the king's food. So the best the land provides, you can eat. Well, that sounds great. The trouble was there were certain foods in, that, in the diet that the king was giving them that the God of the Bible had said you should not eat. And so Daniel says, whoa, I can't eat their certain meats. There are certain things I can't eat. So he said, listen, we'll just go on a plant-based diet. You know, maybe just like Adam and Eve had been on in the beginning. And so they said, we'll eat things that come that are called pulse in the King James Version or things that are grown from seeds. So you have Daniel and his three friends. They're the ones who end up going on the experimental group. They change their diet to a complete plant-based diet. Now all the other students, they're the control group. So what they do is they, they continue eating the meat-based diet that the king of Babylon gave to them. Now when one of the guards heard this, he said, no, 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 you're going to get unhealthy. It's not going to be good for you if you go totally plant-based. Well, Daniel said, and this is where the first scientific study comes up, he says, test us for 10 days. Let's just test what happens for 10 days and let's see how we're doing. Now, what ends up happening is at the end of those 10 days, Daniel and his friends seem to be becoming healthier than the other people there in Babylon, but it actually enhanced their cognition. It says that their actual, their mental state actually increased. Now, what's fascinating about this is we see uh, uh, Dr. Beeshold out of Arizona did a scientific study and they took people and they, they took people who, you know, it's standardly beyond an American meat-based diet and they changed, they, they changed them into three groups. So they had one group that was the control group, continue eating the meat. Then the second group would go on a fish-based diet, so fish and plants, and the third group would go completely plant-based. Now, what ended up happening? Now, one of the three groups after just two weeks showed an, an increase in their, in their happiness, meaning actually lowered their levels of depression in just two weeks. Now, many people think, was it the fish-based group? I mean, we think of, oh, the omega-3s in the fish. Actually, only one of the groups benefited, and it was specifically the group that went on a plant-based diet. So we see even today. Now that's one study that was done that showed that it actually can in enhance your, you know, we could say cognition, but specifically it can lower levels of depression. But then somebody went even further. They took a middle school and they took the students and they changed the school from a standard American meat-based diet, so the standard American diet, and they changed the school to a plant-based diet. And uh, as Dr. Rajatoma tells us, what ended up happening is very fascinating. This, the students in this school that had almost eliminated teen pregnancies, it almost eliminated absenteeism. The students did better on their homework performance and they did better in their schoolwork performance also. So this actually seemed to enhance the cognition of middle schoolers even today. So this study was done originally about 2,500 years ago, nearly, neither, near, nearly, a, nearly a thousand years before Hippocrates. And yet this study now replicated today, we see similar results that it actually can enhance your cognition. Now, why is it? Now, that's the real question. Science is revealing more and more that what goes on in the gut affects your mind. It can affect how happy you are. Just to clarify back about Daniel. And it showed that at the end of those 10 days, now what we saw is in the book of Daniel that at the end of those 10 days, Daniel and his three friends did better than the other students in their studies. Now this is quite fascinating.
Could it actually be that what we eat can affect our mind? Right now, there's this burgeoning, this cutting-edge science called the science of the gut-brain connection. And we are seeing more and more that Hippocrates was right, but even more than that, Daniel was right a thousand years before Hippocrates. That what goes on here, and this isn't just in the book of Daniel. So you see this back in the book of Jeremiah, you see this back in the book of Lamentations, and, the, and potentially the oldest book of the Bible, which is the book of Job, meaning uh, we believe that Moses himself wrote the book of Job. And so this is nearly 3,500 years ago that this took place. Now this is fascinating. And we see Job mentioning the fact that there was a connection between what was going on in his gut and what's going on in his brain. And so right now, for years, people might have thought, oh, you know, people used to talk about this in the 1800s and it sounded like, you know, strange 19th century quackery. But right now, it is cutting edge science, this idea of what is going on in our gut affecting our brain. You know, from a Christian perspective, we had an idea for a number of years that science would somehow save us, that we could get around the way that humanity was made and created to survive and thrive, and we could maybe come up with better ways, like, you know, C-sections, and, and though that may be good if someone's in a very dangerous situation and, and, and the only way to survive would be a C-section, uh, it's fascinating because if we go back to the way God intended it to be, we look at a massive study in the journal Pediatrics. This was a study of two million babies over the course of 35 years, so this is massive. And what they discovered is that babies who are born by C-section have higher levels of asthma, bowel disorders, rheumatism, and even leukemia. And now, why? I mean, you think, who cares? I mean, you, you pulled out this way or that way, one or the other, right? But here's the thing. God created us. When we're in the, you know, the womb, we might say, that we're in, a, in an environment with very few bacteria. There are some that are maybe swallowed, um, you know, that they take in, but in general, they're in, a, in an area with not very many bacteria. And when the child is born or going through the birth canal, we should say, as they're passing through, they begin to be inoculated. They begin to be covered with the bacteria from their mother. And that is exactly the bacteria that they generally need to enhance their immune system, potentially for the rest of their life. But if we go about it another way and that baby is, you know, cut out through an incision and, and removed by the doctor, the, doc the doctor then maybe from his glove gives that baby its first bacteria. Other bacteria maybe begins to come from the hospital around them. And just guess which one or guess which bacteria would be better for that baby. And you can quite imagine it's that which came from its mother. One of the questions might be, well, how do we get a greater diversity of gut bacteria so that we can be happier, social, and more outgoing? Well, before we go any further with that, I want you to think about this. So we know that toddlers who have less diversity of gut bacteria are more cranky, more antisocial. They're just not as happy children. The same thing is true later in life. They found the same thing with alcoholics. They found that alcoholics specifically who had less diversity of gut bacteria found it harder to overcome their addictions to alcohol. This is amazing. As you know, I mean, this, do you think about that? That could you actually be struggling with addiction because of lack of diversity of gut bacteria. Now, this is a fascinating concept. Now, as the scientists looked at it, they looked at a group of alcoholics and they found that the ones with greater diversity of gut bacteria found less anxiety, less depression, and less craving for their alcohol. So we might want to ask them, how can I get more good bacteria in my gut? The idea is, you know, oh, I could just kill it off with a bunch of antibiotics. 
what's fascinating about that is every time you take a round of antibiotics, you know, you go to the doctor and they say, oh, go through this round of antibiotics. It'll take you, you know, two weeks, 10 days, whatever it is. That's a round of antibiotics. Every time you take a round of antibiotics, it increases your chances of depression by about 25%. And for every two to five rounds that you take, it increases your, your chances of depression by right around 50%. So this may be another factor. We already know that Children who don't have as much diversity of bacteria, they're not as happy. Same thing with adults. Now, why? Now, could it be that this bacteria actually, well, we know partly why. We know part of the, the, the mystery of it all is that this bacteria helps us to digest our food and good food, healthy food like, you know, fiber-filled food, which is only found in the plant kingdom, by the way. There's no, there's no fiber in the animal kingdom. But when you eat plant-based foods, you get bacteria. Your body can't digest this, bac this, uh, this fiber. When you eat fiber, your body can't digest fiber, but the bacteria in your gut can digest the fiber. And what it does is it lets off a byproduct called short-chain fatty acids, which lower levels of inflammation, which will lower levels of chronic disease, but it also potentially can lower your levels of having depression or lower your chances of having depression. So back to our question, how do we potentially enhance our happiness? How do we get a greater diversity of gut bacteria? Now, you could think about it from a biblical perspective. The Garden of Eden, think about this, the Garden of Eden, that, that word Eden in the Hebrew, the word means pleasure. So it was the Garden of pleasure, right? So it was a place of happiness. So you'd, you'd expect that being out in nature, and science shows today, nature brings happiness. It's something that enhances our happiness. It enhances mental clarity. It actually raises natural killer cells to fight off cancer, just been spending time in nature. But the Garden of Eden gives us this idea. Now, what would be the food that would be best to bring about happiness in a human being? Now, if you went back to the garden, you'd say, well, it would be plant-based foods, right? you know, fruits, nuts, grains, seeds, these kinds of things. What's interesting, when you look at the biblical narrative, you, you talk about, you know, having fruit initially and these kinds of things, and right after the fall, up until the flood, they were eating fruits, nuts, grains, vegetables, right? What's absolutely fascinating, a, in, a study was conducted looking at the consumption of plant based foods, specifically eating whole plant-based foods, and what did they discover? Now we discover that in the British Journal of Health Psychology in January of 2013, a study was conducted, and, and the title of the study was Many Apples a Day Keep the Blues Away. Now the study wasn't showing that you had to eat many apples a day to be happy, but what they discovered was that for every piece of fruit or vegetable you ate in a day, it would increase your happiness that day, but the happiness would actually continue to the next day. So they could actually foretell how happy you were gonna be tomorrow based upon what you ate today. So if you ate, you know, one piece of fruit or vegetable, you were just a little bit happier than people who ate none. If you ate two, you, you're actually significantly happier. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And you can just look at the chart and you can choose basically how happy you're gonna be today and you can choose how happy you're gonna to be tomorrow based upon the food that you consume. And the fascinating thing is that the food that brings happiness is the food that God gave in the garden of pleasure. Meaning God wanted our happiness, so he gave us the food that would bring about this happiness, a plant-based diet. 
And we see that as people begin to move to this kind of a diet, uh, you know, to me, I thought it was ridiculous. You know, I mean, who would ever want to do that? But it literally changed my life. I, I have so much energy. I feel so much better. I've never felt better in my life. I, I can run without, without joint pain. I had joint pain for years. That's gone away. I feel so good. My, I mean, they feel so much better uh, just all over my body. You used to have, you know, maybe elbow pain or shoulder pain, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm 36, but I feel so much better than I did when I was 18 years old that we've been given this, this, not only that, but it's increased my happiness. I mean, I cannot explain how much happier I am, you know, suffering with depression in the past, but as I changed my diet to this plant-based diet, it changed my life, especially eating multiple pieces of fruit and vegetables a day. Uh, in the study specifically, they went up to eight pieces of fruit or vegetable, and it continually made people happier all the way up to eight. I'm guessing they just didn't keep going after that. I mean, maybe they did, but I can tell you that it really does make a difference, especially when we begin to get away from the animal foods, which actually can increase our chances of having you know, inflammation specifically, which is a marker of lifestyle disease, but it also, in many cases, is a marker of depression. So we can reverse that by getting on an anti-inflammatory diet, eating plant-based foods, and the closer we get back to the garden, the healthier we begin to feel. I just want to share what this has done for my life. The reason, I, I didn't know all the science behind all of this. You know, I've traveled around as a documentary filmmaker. Uh, we travel around putting seminars about health. I now put on a seminar. We, you know, have a DVD seminar on the gut-brain connection. The reason why I got into all of this is because I lived in a, in a foreign country for a year and I got stomach trouble while I was there from the water. We knew it was from the water and um, it, it lasted the entire year we were there, then came back to the States. I mean, my you know, wife went to a doctor in that country and uh, nothing really helped there. And then we came back to the States and for a whole nother year, so two solid years I had stomach trouble. And for the first time in my life, I experienced uh, what they call seasonal depression or you know, seasonal affective disorder. And so I experienced that. And then I experienced it every year for eight years. So every year I would have depression in the winter. And I exercised. I eat healthy. I was actually eating a largely plant-based diet by that point already. After eight years of this, then I got bit by a tick and a friend of mine, a doctor friend said, well, you should just take some antibiotics just, um, you know, just to be cautious. So I took some antibiotics and then I went into depression year round. And I didn't know that the science shows that yes, that this increases your chances of depression by 25%. One round, you know, two to five rounds, 50%. I, I didn't know that. So I fell into depression year round. And then for two solid years, I was totally depressed. But I continued going forward. I was making documentary films, traveling the world, uh, you know, teaching people about various things, you know, the Bible, about health. And, you know, I, as far as I had tons of energy, I exercised all the time. I, you know, drank adequate amounts of water and all of these things. But what ended up happening was I, I ended up just trying something. And I went to a biblical plant-based diet like Adam and Eve were on and so I was actually eating a lot of fruit and I didn't know the science behind it at that point. I just, I just tried it. And as I tried it within two weeks, and the interesting thing was I started about, uh, about two weeks before January 1st. So right, right around midway through December, I started eating just tons of fruit, began to eat this way, very, very simple food. And two weeks later, was, which was about January 1st. So if you're struggling with seasonal depression, this should be about the worst time. And two weeks into this, right about January 1st, for the first time in two years, 
I could choose where to focus my thoughts. Because many times when someone's depressed, they have these constant repetitive or negative or guilty thoughts. And, and I was having this over and over and over. I'd wake up every morning. My very first thought would just be a depressing thought. You just hope you'd wake up one morning with that not the, not the case. But then after two weeks of eating this way, eating significant amounts, you know, many pieces of fruit, many pieces of vegetables after a while. First, I just started with fruit the depression began to subside within two weeks, and it has been such a blessing for me. I've had the opportunity to travel the world now teaching people on this. We, we teach it in a seminar. Uh, just some time ago, I was in a foreign country, and I, I had shared to medical students on this, and then I visited that country again just a few months ago, and one of the doctors came along, and he wanted to share. He said, you know, I've implemented the things that you've talked about, and he said, it has been such a blessing. He, too, had been struggling with depression, but as he began to implement these things also, he, too, began to find similar results, that the depression began to subside, God gave us these principles. He gave it in his word. And the same things that he taught originally, that which was intended for man's happiness in the beginning, is the same thing that enhances our experience here in this world, even today. So how do we bring this down into the real world today? How has this actually affected modern people's lives? Now, in California, the California Department of Corrections hired a Seventh-day Adventist businessman to actually run a private prison. So it would be funded by the government, but a private man would run the institution. And as he did so, what he chose to do is, now there's this uh, health program that many of the people who are called Seventh-day Adventists follow. They follow eight lifestyle principles and they sum it up uh, from this institution called Weimar. It's called New Start, which is nutrition, exercise, water, sunlight, temperance, air, rest, and trust in God. And so what they did is they took this prison with 500 inmates and they allowed them to choose because God doesn't force people to follow him. Nobody's forced to follow God's ways, follow his principles, eat healthier, exercise. We all have the choice whether we will follow the things that God encourages us to do. And love is shown by obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so they gave these prisoners. Now this was a, it was a correctional facility in Adelanto, California. And they gave them, there were two sides to the prison that were physically, you, you couldn't just walk from one side to the other. Uh, you, you would actually choose to go to either one side or the other. And the one side was to be put on a total plant-based vegan diet, uh, you know, probably much whole food, these kind of things. The other side would be on the standard American prison diet. And they gave the people the choice. Now, you can imagine one of the Department of Corrections officials said, listen, these prisoners would rather burn the place to the ground than, you know, go vegan, right? I mean, who would imagine they would want to do it? So they gave them the choice. And there are 500 inmates in the prison, and they gave them the choice. And just, just guess what percentage actually chose to go vegan? It was 85%. And so 85% of them chose to go vegan. So they, the others would go to the one side, the others would go on the other, and they're eating this plant-based diet. They're also receiving Bible studies, and you know, Bible studies are common in probably most every prison in the United States. Now, during this time period, while this Adventist businessman was running this prison, the recidivism rate, now what's that? The recidivism is the statistical rate at which a prisoner who goes to prison once for a crime, what is the statistical rate at which that prisoner will commit another crime and go back to prison. At that time, it was an astounding 95% of people in the state of California who committed crime once 
would commit another crime and go back to, chris, to, pr to prison. But as these prisoners who, who were taking Bible studies and had gone on a, a vegan diet, as they had to totally changed their lifestyle, you know what happened? The recidivism rate dropped in that prison from 95% to 2%. Now this is absolutely amazing. Now what would have happened if he would have continued running that prison and this would have spread to prisons across the nation? Could it be just like the alcoholics? Could it be just like alcoholics are less happy with less diverse gut bacteria? Could it be toddlers who have less diverse gut bacteria? And could it be that people just in general would be happier and less prone to alcoholism, cigarettes, drugs, pornography, all the addictions that people struggle with? Could it be that if they had a, a healthy gut and they were eating the foods the way that God intended them to eat, that they would actually be happier and less likely to struggle with addiction? One of the things you see amongst many athletes as they're really trying to enhance their skills, their strength or their you know, speed, one of the things many people are doing is moving toward a plant-based diet. We see that you know, right now one of the strongest men in the world, um, his name's Patrick Bobomi, and he uh, lives in Germany. And he, some time ago, broke the world record. He, was, he lifted up, it's like 550 kilograms, you know, like well over a thousand pounds. The guy carries it for something like 33 feet and then he drops it and he yells out, vegan power. Now, why do he say that? Because this guy broke the world record of, you know, carrying this much weight and the guy's total vegan. I Meaning he doesn't eat any, any animal products. So you don't have to be skinny and thin to be a, a plant-based eater. Um, but many people are because it's much easier to lose weight that way. But if you choose to really eat some of the heavier foods, you know, a lot of, you know, oil makes pe people gain weight or you eat a lot of protein, you can, you can gain weight. But uh, you don't have to be. I mean, you can choose how large you want to be based, but it's just easier because statistically, uh, plant-based eaters, vegans are the thinnest people uh, around. I mean, that's just statistically the case. But fascinatingly, many athletes are moving toward a plant-based diet to enhance their, you know, skills, their quickness, these kinds of things. 1800 years ago, in the city of Ephesus, which is in now modern-day Turkey, uh, I was there a couple years ago recording a, a film there, and they did a study, they, they dug up a graveyard of men and they discovered that the implements that they were using, the tools that they were using were tridents and spears. This was a graveyard of gladiators. And they did something fascinating. They did bone composition studies. They can actually analyze the bone and the bones. And as they analyze your bones, they can tell what it's composed of. And that can tell you tell the scientists what you've been eating for a long period of time. And as they studied the bones of the gladiators there in ancient Ephesus, this is what they discovered. They discovered that these guys were basically vegan, plant-based eaters. Now, according to Dr. McDougall, that many of these men actually chose to be this so that they would actually be quicker in their fighting skills. And it, it's amazing, you know, uh, you know, you go from a plant, just, just myself, I mean, I'm, I'm no fighter by any stretch of the imagination, nor do I want to be, but as far as even running, I mean, how it has just enhanced my running, I mean, it's, it's absolutely amazing. But back date in the days of Greece and in, or, or Rome, one of the things they discovered was that some of the 
ancient, you know, soldiers, as they were about to go into battle, they would say, can we not eat meat before we go into battle? Because we want to be quicker. We want to be lighter. We want to be not necessarily lighter physically, but just that lightness of feeling so that they could go out into battle and just have a quickness that they might not otherwise been able to have. And same thing with the gladiators. Now, these gladiators would actually eat a plant-based diet, at least the ones we found in Ephesus. Now, this gave understanding to the ancient name of these gladiators. They were called like the hornari, the, uh, that they were barley eaters. They called them the barley men because they ate largely barley and beans. And it is true today too that you can find the same thing. As you get toward the, this diet, you find, you know, much of your joint pain will go away. Many times that's the case. You find that, you're, you know, if you're a runner, your running speed will begin to be quicker many, many times. I mean, it's, for me, it's totally changed my life. And we see that anciently as people uh, tried these things, whether it's, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, but you go further back to the time of Daniel, we see that in enhanced Daniel's life, but you go all the way back to the beginning. And the people who are, what's fascinating is the people who in Bible times were plant-based eaters were the longest living people in the world. And today, the people who are plant-based eaters following the Bible are the longest living people in the world. Meaning these principles have remained unchanged through the millennia. Being that the Garden of Eden was the Garden of Pleasure, that the things that God gave to Adam and Eve there were to bring happiness, to bring joy, to bring pleasure. And that being the case, why is it that plants actually bring pleasure and happiness to us as we get more toward a simple plant-based diet? Well, part of it is one of the reasons for it is that what was discovered in the Bulgarian Journal of Plant Physiology. And as in this review, scientists were looking at plants, the composition, what the makeup of plants. And the title was Animal Neurotransmitter Substances found in plants, meaning that the neurotransmitters, we could call them to make it very simple, the brain chemicals that we need to feel good, to be happy, to make good decisions maybe, that these chemicals that we need are found where? They're actually found in plant foods. So as you eat the plants, what's happening? Now some of them can't make it to your brain, but some may be able to, and as they do, what ends up happening is it makes it easier to make right decisions, to avoid alcohol, to avoid drugs, to avoid different things because you're actually happier. And if you were happier, wouldn't it be easier not to have self-destructive habits? And so God gave us these things. And so we see in, in even the Journal of Neuropsychiatry of Clinical Neuroscience as scientists were looking at this and they were saying that why don't we suggest plant food, specifically, you know, various different kinds of fruit that can help lower levels of depression and can even help prevent violent suicide attempts. And it's really not that simple. It's really not that complex. All you have to do is just eat more fruits and vegetables, meaning I began to do it. And as I, I've done it, I have felt so much better, meaning my mental state, how happy I am, just the way, you know, I communicate with my wife. I mean, her life too has changed through both of us. As we began to do this, it began to totally change our lives and we share it with others. Now, we recognize God gives everybody the choice. He doesn't force anybody to do this, but what a blessing it is to just say, hey, why not? if it could help. And, 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 the, and the great thing is, after time, you begin to enjoy it. Meaning, I don't even want to go back to the old food that I, that I grew up eating because I feel so good. Why would I want to let go? 
And that's the same thing. Dr. Esselstein, Dr. Ornish, they showed that this same diet that was given in the garden, this plant-based diet can actually reverse heart disease. Literally, I mean, people can come in with 90% uh, blockage in their arteries, atherosclerosis, and that can actually begin to reverse. The, the plaque begins to, you know, go away. The arteries begin to actually open up again. I mean, we see the same thing with type 2 diabetes. You can reverse type 2 diabetes. Uh, Dr. McDougall says, or, or Dr. Ornish says, up to 95% of the patients, and McDougall says nearly everybody can reverse type 2 diabetes going on the same diet. So many of the lifestyle diseases, and you might have to tweak it a few, uh, a few different ways for certain people, but certain people with, you know, autoimmune diseases can actually help themselves out significantly with skin issues, getting back to the way that God intended them to eat. The closer we get to that Edenic diet, the diet of the Garden of Eden, the better we will be off in the long run. It's interesting that several times in scripture, people are tested upon food. The, we see it in the Old Testament. We see Jacob and Esau. We see that uh, one of these brothers is, you know, you know, Esau is hungry and he wants some food and, and uh, he's been out hunting and I, maybe he didn't catch anything that day or kill anything that day, but he comes home and he says, says to his brother Jacob, he says, please give me your, give me, give me your food. And, and he says, all right, you trade something for me. And so he gave up um, his future benefit for the food that he was eating. Meaning he would have gained more benefit to his future life. He would have been giving a blessing and a birthright from his parents because he was the older son. But for his food, he sacrificed the future. And you know, sometimes we do the same thing today. We think, no, I'm not, I'm not willing to change the way that I eat. But it's interesting, throughout scripture, people were tested by food. We think of, I think of the book of Job. Job 23, verse 11, you know, 10 and 11, where Job says, my foot has held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Neither have I gone back on the commandment of his lips. Then he says these words, this is fascinating. Job says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Meaning, Job said God's word was more important to him than food itself. Jesus, when he came, he, he was, you know, starving literally to death. When you're fasting, uh, I've been told by a friend who fasted for 30 days straight, just a water fast, just drank water for 30 days, that what happens is after, you know, three, four days, the, the hunger goes away totally. Then you go from maybe, if you're big enough, you, you can go weeks with zero hunger. But then what ends up happening is you hit the second hunger, which could come, you know, three weeks, two weeks, a month into it, and maybe even longer. That when you get to that second hunger, you better eat soon because you will potentially die. The Bible says, fascinatingly enough, that when Jesus was struggling with hunger, the devil came to him, and it says before the devil came to him, it says he was at, it said he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was afterward hungry. You think, what? You were hungry after 40 days? It seems that Jesus hit the second hunger. And as he hit the second hunger, something, something happened. And he was literally starving to death, and it was at that moment that the devil came to him and tempted him. And the first temptation was upon food. And it's interesting that just as in the Garden of Eden, they were tempted over food, just with Jesus. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus would be faithful to God's word rather than even have food. If he had to die, like Job said, I esteem the words of God's mouth more than my necessary food. And God's calling us. He doesn't force us. 
but he gives us the choice. And if we try some of the health principles that he's given to us, we begin to benefit and find the blessings that he wants to bestow upon us. I want those blessings. If, he, if he's willing to give them and all I have to do is just try it. It's funny how self-sacrifice actually brings the greatest happiness in life. Helping others, it helps them, bring, makes, brings happiness to them, but it also gives a benefit to us in our, in our spiritual life, in our, in our mental life, and all of these things. But what's also fascinating is at the end of time, the book of Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist power, the Bible tells us that times will get so tough that the Antichrist will say, unless you receive the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell. So you won't be able to get food from the grocery store. You will not be able to buy or sell, meaning you will have to decide at that time, do you love God more than your necessary food? The good news is, is that back in Isaiah, the Bible tells us that God's people will flee They'll flee to the mountains. And it tells us that God's people, that their bread and their water will be sure. The word bread can mean simply food. Their food and their water will be sure. Meaning God will take care of his people and he will take care of you. But I challenge you, try to implement some of the beneficial things you learn about health, about God's word, eating a healthier diet, eating more fruits and vegetables. Begin to reap the benefits and begin to grasp onto some of the blessings that God has for you. It's interesting when you look at the people anciently who lived the longest in the Bible, they were plant-based eaters. And today it's the same thing. This group of Christians, you know, that are called the Seventh-day Adventists, they just decided, hey, let's just try, let's just actually try living out the biblical principles. Some people say, oh, that's legalism. But they just say, hey, let's just try it and see what happens. Guess what happened? Now today, they did it just on faith. They had no scientific backing when they began to try this over 100 years ago. And now they're the longest living people in the world. The Bible says in Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But then it says because they've rejected knowledge. You see, it's not that uh, God doesn't give it. We're living in a time where the science is out there. There's all kinds of ideas of what is science in you know modern community and on the internet, but it's really quite simple. When you get back to biblical principles, you begin to reap the benefits of all the things that God had said. And we don't have to be destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We can go to his word, we can follow it, and we can be totally changed by it not only physically, but ultimately, eternally. As my wife and I travel around the world, both making documentaries and, and putting on you know, seminars about the, the gut-brain connection and health, it is such a blessing to see people as they, as they grasp hold because we even see it. I mean, we know that people who, who, through a spiritual connection, try to implement change in their life, we see them more likely to actually stick with it. And that's the blessing because we have God's promises, you know, that he will be with us, that he will strengthen us, that he will be the one that actually gives us the victory. Now, when it comes to mental health and depression, I mean, we go to God's word and as we study his word, we find answers to the longing of our hearts that can help bring peace into our lives. But then we also see God's health principles, that as we get closer to this plant-based diet, the gut-brain connection, when we implement these things, our lives are changed. And I have the benefit of seeing people as we travel the world, their lives are changed. When people just test out these very simple things, it's not, it's not that you need to go across the world to get some special exotic fruit or some this or some that, but you can simply eat the stuff that's 
grown local in your area. And, and even if you can't, you know, you can still get the simple groceries that are, you can pick up at most grocery stores, get some, you know, bananas or some apples or, or whatever you can afford. But as you begin to do these things, you too can find the benefits in your own life. You can begin to reverse your depression as you get toward a plant-based diet. You can take God at his word and his promises. We think of how his promises can help give the victory. He helps us in the areas of addiction, which addiction can either come on as a result of depression or the addiction itself can create the depression either way. It just, you know, depends which situation you come into the addiction. But God gives us promises in his word. And there's a principle on the mind and being changed. You may have heard this, and it's really a biblical principle. This is not quoted in the Bible, but it's, it's a biblical principle that it's a law of the mind that it gradually adapts itself to the subjects upon which it is trained to dwell. And when you think about like this, never forget that thoughts work out actions. Repeated actions form habits and habits form character. Meaning your thoughts work out actions, actions become habits and habits form character. So you may have something in your character, like an addiction, that's a bad habit. And so you try to change your character by just stopping your addiction, but you can't. You, you're struggling to overcome. And so you try to overcome, and as you try to overcome, you don't. You keep falling back into the same bad action. Why? Because what has not been changed? The thoughts. And God has given us a way. He's given us his promises in his word. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, this is key, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So what does it say? It says that every thought that you have can become captive to Jesus, meaning you can turn to him in prayer. You can claim his promises like, God, you said in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 that you can bring every thought I have into captivity. You can give me, you can give me victory over depression. You can give me victory over these bad habits. You, God, have all power, and I'm going to trust that you will give me the strength. Because when Jesus became a human, yes, he was God in the flesh, but he said in John chapter 5 and verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing. Meaning, he could, he could do anything he wanted to, but he became a human. He actually put off the powers and prerogatives of God for that time as a human being. And as he put those off, what did he do? He trusted in his Father to give him strength to overcome the temptations of the enemy. And we too, just like our Savior Jesus, when we look to Jesus, we can find that he will give us the victory. We can say, I can't do it. Because that's one of the things we got to realize when we're maybe struggling in depression. I can't do this. I can implement these principles by the help of God, but I can't overcome it and of myself. I can't overcome my addiction. But Jesus can give me the victory. Thank you for listening. It's my sincere hope that you found this episode helpful. Find more information on topics that address autoimmune disease, neurodegenerative diseases such as Alzheimer's and dementia, anxiety, depression, and much more on the websites listed in the description below so that we can all educate and raise people's awareness of the resources we need to heal, maintain wellness, and thrive. Until next time, be well, my friends, and share the health.